Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by AT&T, I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, how Facebook finally won a news cycle and a tech startup that could double or triple how long your avocados stay fresh. But first, the incredible rise of esports. This past Saturday night, around 11,000 people packed into Brooklyn's Barclays Center, but they weren't there for an NBA game or a concert. They were there to watch the finals of Overwatch League, where something called the London Spitfire beat the Philadelphia Fusion and took home a $1 million payday. And those 11,000 fans were very into it. I heard a sports radio host note that it was louder than any Stanley Cup final or NBA final he had ever attended. So if you're a bit lost already, that's okay. Let me explain. Overwatch is a video game, one of those so-called first shooter games where you're basically trying to get from point A to point B without getting killed and probably killing a bunch of people in the process. And it's something anyone can play. But a lot of the best Overwatch players are on professional teams, which play against other professional teams. And it's becoming very big business, whether you're talking about people who show up to watch the games live, like at the Barclays Center the other night, or people watching through streaming video services like Twitch, which is owned by Amazon. Now, I'm a big sports fan and very casual gamer and readily admit I don't quite understand the appeal of people watching other people play video games. But that doesn't matter because people reportedly spent nearly 18 million hours watching esports between January and March of this past year. And you're even seeing some high schools introduce it as a varsity sport. And a lot of these esports teams are owned by owners of more traditional professional sports teams like New England Patriots owner Bob Kraft, who's got an Overwatch team. So the bottom line here is that at a time when both baseball and football are worried about losing U.S. audience, there is indeed something new poised to help fill the void. In 30 seconds, we'll go deeper with Mike Raphael, who owns the Dallas Fuel Overwatch League team. But first, this from AT&T. Here's one big thing you need to know. Each year, over 2 million jobs go unfilled in this country. That's a big number. And the reason why is simple. There just aren't enough qualified candidates. AT&T is doing something about this with their Aspire program. Since 2008, Aspire has invested $450 million into education programs that help millions of students at home and around the world. Specialized programs, mentoring, investment, and resources bring opportunity to millions of kids who need it most. Stick around, and we'll tell you the way Aspire works. Now we're joined by Mike Raphael, owner of the Dallas Fuel Overwatch League team. Mike, you're a former professional gamer, right? Is that how you got into becoming a team owner? Yeah, that's right, Dan. I, I actually started off as an athlete throughout my whole life and have, I guess, a lot of competitive spirit. And I also grew up you know, playing a lot of video games. I think my parents often used video games as a reward for you know good grades in school and so on. <laughs> and so it was a great incentive because I was really hooked at a young age uh, to playing games. So uh, the way I kind of got into this, I kind of combined that competitive spirit I had from being an athlete and uh, my love for video games as a hobby and combined the both of those and kind of started off as a hobby for me, got a little bit more competitive, started with a team that started gaining a lot of fans and 15 years later, we're a big brand in esports and uh, continuing to, to manage and own the team. Let me ask specifically about Overwatch. Why, from your perspective, has this one seemed to gain so much popularity? Well, the game itself, it's such a polished game in terms of you know, the product, when you play video games, there are certain games that could be, you know, released out to the market that are still quite not maybe finished yet or could be very buggy and, you know, have all kinds of issues in the game. But although they're still fun to play sometimes, uh, maybe they're not the best to create this amazing playing field on a global scale. And Overwatch was. And second, the business structure behind the league is 
just unmatched in the, in the entire industry. It's a, the first time that a major you know, business team was placed behind a game to create this global franchise league. By which I, mean, I assume you mean Activision Blizzard, which makes Overwatch. Do you expect other game makers are going to then follow that model, follow this Overwatch model? I would hope so. I think what we've created here with the Overwatch League is just an example of, of how to, to do things well in esports that other game publishers would, would love to make the investment after they see the success of what we've done. So, you know, I, I would hope that many more publishers take that into account and some of them take the leap into making um, a large investment into having their game played on a global scale in a franchise league. Speaking of investments, there's obviously a lot of technology companies, networking companies specifically, that are trying to improve speed, uh, You know, whether that be 5G or other things. How important is our advancements in technology to esports continuing to become more popular? Right, Like in the NFL or NBA, et cetera, grass, I guess, has gotten a little bit better. Courts have gotten a little better, but that's not integral. Here, is networking speed integral to the future of esports growing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Right now, we're able to you know, have great new fiber connections that have advanced the way we are able to compete online. And, you know, with what you just mentioned, 5G internet, for example, low latency and ultra-reliable networks maybe will allow for more intercontinental competition to take place online or just more congregation of people playing games with each other from different regions. Uh, I'm curious, Mike, you mentioned kind of the way that Overwatch is structured, kind of with corporate backing. So let me ask, how do you feel your team and the league in general has dealt with culture clash issues and that there's, for lack of a better term, kind of been some alt-right strain, both in some players and some fans historically. You know, we've seen, you know, Pepe the Frog signs held up at certain games, et cetera, versus kind of this more polished corporate league image. Yeah, from a corporate perspective, I think uh, that's, a, that's a great question because sometimes, you know, the fans don't understand, you know, some of the things that, that we have to do as a business to survive and provide them uh, with with what they're seeing, you know, in a competitive match or in the league. And even though a fan may, might enjoy Overwatch League and, and all it has to offer, sometimes they just don't understand, you know, all that goes into it behind the scenes and, you know, what we have to do as a business to, to survive and how we have to market. So, you know, I think there's sometimes there's a little bit of pushback from fans on some things like sponsorship marketing and, some of the advertisers and the things that we're creating, but I think we've done a great job of assimilating, you know, that traditional sports business model to an audience that typically wouldn't care for it. I think we've done a great job taking some of those traditional sports uh, business practices and bringing them over to, to esports and kind of molding them in a way that makes it so much more authentic and enjoyable for the fans. Uh, I think that's something that we can continue to improve on in the future. And even though sometimes there's a little bit of pushback, I think we've been, doing a great job and are only going to get better at, at making sure that fans have ways to interact with us that allow us to keep our businesses running and also creates a better product for them. Speaking of interaction, final question for you. Sports gaming was basically just legalized by the Supreme Court, even though individual states have to approve it. Do you expect esports is going to be part of that? Will people soon be able to bet money on Overwatch and other esports leagues? I think that's actually going to be, you know, a large piece of our industry in the future. It was, it's almost inevitable as, as, as long as you know legislation and, and the law allows for for gambling on sports events, esports has gotten so big and so large that there's been a lot of interest already in that in Europe and, and in other regions, and there've already been you know wagers being placed on esports for years uh, over in some of the other regions outside of North America. So I think here in the United States, that's that's an issue that will, will arise if if the law allows it. I think you'll absolutely see it. 
And, you know, the fans out there have already shown interest here in the United States and some off ways of, of gambling, just whether it be trading in-game items in the video games or, uh, you know, creating a marketplace for those items that, that are kind of rare in the games that you play, whether that be wagering them or trading them. I think there's there's been this big market of, of people out there that are kind of chomping at the bit to be able to make just can- cash transactions in, in sports betting on esports matches. Thanks to Mike Rafael, owner of the Dallas Fuel Overwatch team. My final two on Facebook's unexpected win and a hot new food tech startup in 30 seconds. Aspire supports organizations that make a real difference in kids' lives through mentoring and innovation and education. AT&T employees have invested more than 2 million hours of their personal time mentoring more than 260,000 students around the world through online mentoring and also in their own communities where they live and work. It matters because studies show that students who participate in online mentoring outperform their peers both emotionally and academically. AT&T is committed to preparing today's students for the jobs of tomorrow and creating opportunities for the next generation. Now it's time for my final two. And first is Facebook, which yesterday announced the discovery of a new political disinformation effort on its platform. Now, this was pretty small, nothing like what we saw during the 2016 election. But Facebook's getting deserved credit for identifying the problem and quickly publicizing it. Why it matters, as Axios' Sarah Fisher and David McCabe wrote on the site today, is that Facebook and its social media peers have gotten more than their share of blame, at least more than the government's gotten, for allowing cybersecurity threats to proliferate. So when they act preemptively like Facebook just did, they also deserve the kudos. And finally, avocados. You love them, but hate that they seem to go bad before you've even gotten home from the store. Well, there's a new startup called Appeal Technologies, which has created a food-based coding system that's designed to keep avocados and other produce fresher for two or three or even four times as long. Now, it's a big deal because there's around 2.5 trillion, with a T, in global food waste per year. And a lot of that's at the retail store level. So if Appeal Technologies can eat into that, it could mean more food for everyone, including in areas that don't currently have enough of it. And we're done. Big thanks to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. Be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Startups Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.